I want to. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming out today, trying out Outward Church. You know, some of you uh, found us through a video on on Facebook, and and we just wanted to tell you about who who we were, and we wanted to invite you to something that maybe you haven't experienced at a church before, or maybe you haven't experienced uh, a church before. And really, what our hope is is that by the time you really get acquainted with us, what we're what we're hoping is that you would experience Jesus here. That you would experience Jesus and that all of the misgivings about the, the church and all of the, the, the issues that you have seen, which are real issues that have surrounded the church uh, since its inception, by the way, uh, that all of those would fade away in light of who Jesus Christ is and our hope is that you would walk with him for the rest of your life. That you would walk with him uh, for uh, eternity, really. That you would hope in him. And so that's that's what we're here to do, and so I just want to welcome you. Thanks for coming out and being a part of Outward Church. We hope that you uh, engage. I, I've got just a couple of things I, I, I need to communicate before we really get into the heart of the sermon here. Um, a couple of things. One, and that is that uh, we're, there's some growing pains that are happening here. Not uh, the Kirk Cameron uh, TV series, but uh, we're talking about some growing pains as far as like parking, children's, and things like that. And so... Um, a couple of things. One, I think we had a, uh, like we were able to count about 130 cars uh, around the building just recently. We actually have, I think it's only 75 spots on site here. And so there's a lot of cars that end up over there and then in the street and things like that. Here's what we're asking is that uh, the folks that call Outward Church home, we're asking that you might park on Division Street. It's the next street over. We're going to have security there the entire time. If you know Front Street, you will say, that's a good idea over there. So uh, uh, Front Street, I'm sorry, Division Street is just right here uh, uh, on that side of this uh, piece of property. And so what we're asking is that we'd have at least our volunteers and people like that. For volunteers, uh, we may have valet parking. So uh, <laughs> it's just, we're not that kind of church, but we're going to do it for people that have kids and, and uh, stuff that they have to unload or they're in a hurry. Uh, we're going to try to help through our uh, security and safety team by getting their cars parked over there, bring them their keys and things of that. It's, it's one way to, re to reduce parking in this area and enable more people uh, who are new to park in this area. Secondly, uh, children's ministry. We have uh, a big and ongoing need that happens there. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep from having to go to two services. You can see we've got a little bit more room. We could move the stage back if we need to. We, we don't want to go to two services because we love all being together. And so it, that's awesome. What happens, though, is that children's gets crammed and parking gets crammed. And so a way that you can help with that is if you could sign up. Uh, to serve in kids and do that sacrificially. I'm talking about people who are Christians who know and love Jesus, know that he went to the cross for them, and so they want to give back as a result. We're asking you to serve uh, once a month for the next three months, and that's it. No one will ever call you again. That's a lie, but, uh, <laughs> but at least I acknowledged it, right? I repented immediately. But um, in any case, we're, we're just asking if you could serve once a month for the next three months, it'd be super helpful. Busy time of the year for us through Easter and uh, things like that. 
Um, we need more uh, community group leaders. We're outpacing our community group leader uh, multiplication. If you're somebody, you're like, you know what? I'd like to be considered for that. I'd like to fill out an application uh, and uh, go through the credit and background check and everything that goes on there. Um, we, uh, we'd like to invite you into that process. We want you to know that it's a real process, that we, uh, we want to talk with you. There will be some training involved. And so you can fill out a connection card. You can come talk to me. You could really talk to Matt Baldwin if you know who he is. He's typically out at Connect Central, and he's really just right back there. Um, in any case, you could uh, connect with him. Let us know. Email us. Info at Outward Church. We all get that. Um, lastly is this. Uh, we have a marriage conference that's happening here February 10th and 11th. That's a Friday and Saturday. Um, it's a Friday night, a Saturday morning. And so uh, you can go online and you can uh, sign up for this. It's $15 per person. We didn't do per couple because we want people who are not married yet to come to it. Ahem, single people in school. And so you should, you should come and be a, a part of this. And so uh, what we'll have is we'll have uh, Adam's Ribs is going to be catering this. We did that on purpose uh, because we wanted uh, men to show up with their wives. And so um, girls will have a piece of bread or some kind of a, I don't know, Danish or I, I don't know. Dainty, I should have said, thing. So uh, we'll have a little bit of beer and wine. So if that offends you, uh, that might not be the place for you. And so um, in any case, we'll be talking about that in, in 1 Corinthians here shortly. So get ready for that. Um, uh, that, was a, that was also a lie that that was the last thing. That is not the last thing. Um, one last thing before I bore you to death, and that is if you go to Outward Church, if you call this your home, uh, I have something for you. If you don't go to Outward Church, you don't call this your home, those types of things, just shut your ears. Don't listen right now. If you go here, if you're receiving here, we're just, we want to invite you uh, to partner with us financially. It would be a huge help right now. Like I said, more ministry than we got people for right now. And so we need more people on staff. And so we've, we've just hired a couple of those. We need your help. Uh, in that process because some of those people are working at, in fact, Blake Purnell, who's coming on as youth, he's going to be serving over at Richmond Elementary. A portion of his time will be over there serving with those kids. We need people who are on staff who are doing those things. We need more people who are in the office who are able to coordinate how we serve our community. And so if you can help with those things, it'd be so big. We want to be able to implement you, how God has gifted you in our city, and so you can help with that. That's it. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? So, here we are. I want you to turn with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 7, if you've got a Bible. Jeremiah chapter 7. says this, the word of the Lord, chapter 7, verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. The Lord says to Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go stand in the gate of the Lord's house. So he tells Jeremiah, I want you to go to the temple and I want you to stand in the gate and I want you to talk to all of the church people that are there. I want you to communicate something to them and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a prophet, God tells him, I want you to go to church, I want you to stand in the gate of church, and I want you to proclaim a word from me, I want you to tell them what I'm about to tell you, and I want you to communicate it clearly, exactly this, and he says, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, change the way that you're living, is what he's saying, change the way that you're living. Change what you're doing, church. He says, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. If, if you change, then I'm going I'm to allow you to continue to live in the place that I have for you, this nation. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. Don't think that no, nothing bad is going to happen here. Don't think that this thing is just, is just going to stay here. I'll allow some crazy stuff is essentially what that's saying. Verse 5, for if you truly amend your ways in, and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place. And if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. And then it goes on and it talks about what's going to happen if, if they don't. But I, I just want to be really blunt with you. My goal today is to have conservatives and liberals alike upset with me. Okay? So if you have a liberal bent to your politics, I hope you leave slightly upset. Okay? If you have a conservative bent to your politics, I hope that you leave slightly upset. Okay? It's intentional. I, I hope at the same time, though, that you see that my politics, that my viewpoints and your politics and your viewpoints are not necessarily Jesus' politics or viewpoints. Now, what is this saying to us here? It's saying that there is a litmus test for overall spirituality that's going on in the life of a person who is a fearer of God or a Christian. It says that there is a way to tell whether you really actually have relationship with God or whether you are somebody who is a poser, okay? When I was a kid, I was a skateboarder, all right? I, I had a mullet like you would not believe. I wore ripped jeans, and I had a pretty sweet little skateboard. And, but the thing was, I was deathly afraid of riding that skateboard, all right? I had this neighbor friend, and his name was Mark Hemeyer, and Mark, he would, we had this ramp at our school. I lived next door to the school. We had this ramp that went down like this, and then there was a, we, we built a, uh, uh, another ramp, I guess. It, that's, I don't know why that was so difficult, but a, a ramp at the end. And so he would come down, and he would just, he would fly off that thing into the football field. It was like amazing. And I would always, I would get down there, I'd barely go up the ramp, and then I'd jump off, the, off of that. Don't be me, all right? Don't be a poser. Don't be that person who you see one thing, but 
and, and you shout about it, and you yell about it, and you post about it, but then you completely overlook something else. But here's what God is saying. He's saying this. He's saying, like, you can come into my sanctuary, and you can make sacrifices. In those days, they're sacrificing all kinds of animals, and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're looking to have their sins atoned for in this way. We have a different process now through the New Covenant in the New Testament. If you don't understand that, don't worry about it. But in those days, what was going on is that they would come, and they would have church, and they'd hang out, and all of this stuff, but yet there was a huge problem. And I mentioned this last week, like in Isaiah, God says, I hate your stinking church services. I hate the stuff that you're doing. Like, I know you think that you're doing it for me. I know you think that you're acting these ways, but you have to understand something, and that is that you come to church, and yet what's happening is that you don't give a rat's rear end about people who are suffering, the most vulnerable of our society. And who is he talking about? If you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, just wait, just wait. You conservatives are getting ticked off right now. Just listen. If you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place if you do not go after other gods to your own harm. Then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I give of old to your fathers forever. God's heart is for the lives of all of his creation. God's heart is for you. You came in here and you feel like you're nothing. You feel like you don't have anything to give. You feel like you, you've screwed up your life and you don't have what it takes. I want you to know that it does not matter what our society says about you. God's view of you, because you were created in the image of God. There's nothing that can take that away. You were created in the image of God, and so therefore, your life matters. Your usefulness in society does not give you value. Your, uh, your ability to have kids or your ability to make uh, friends or your ability to accomplish the things that you've set out to accomplish do not establish your value. Your value is not found in the things that you do. Your value is found in the fact that you are an image bearer in God. In fact, I have to go there right now. An image bearer. If I can find where I put that. Here we go. Any moment. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
God creates man and he says, this is the only thing that has my image stamped on it. This is the one thing, humanity, male and female, has my image stamped on it. I was reading this to my kids the other night, and I, so I'm getting into Genesis, and I'm, I'm a little bit into this, I start preaching. I just start preaching at my kids. They love it. You wouldn't believe it. And so I start preaching this sermon to them, and, and, and so my oldest son says, Dad, 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 wait a second. If God is so good and, he, and he's in charge of everything, right? God, Dad doesn't call me Matt. I'd smack him if he did that. But um, uh, see, if God is in charge of everything and we got to the, you know, where the, the tree of the garden, knowledge of good and evil, if God was in charge of everything and he knows everything, right, Dad? That's right, son. Why did he do that if he knew we were going to sin? I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't know adults that ask these questions sometimes. And here's my son. He's thinking about this deeply. What I want to ask you to do is I want you to think about this deeply. I want you to think about what's happening here. That God says that all of his creation is stamped with his image. In fact, in Genesis chapter 9, he says, in chapter 9 verse 5, he says, And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. The roots of God saying you should not mistreat, you should not murder people is because of this. It's because... You and I were created in the image of God. And God says that you are the highest being below me. You're the highest being. You have my value, my dignity imprinted on you. Who are we talking about? All people. We're talking about the sojourner. Who's the sojourner? The immigrant. I don't know if you've watched the news lately. The immigrant. I've got no comments to make about policy. What I want to say is this. The immigrant, how you treat the immigrant, is a litmus test of your spiritual vitality and whether you really even know God. You don't give a rat's rear end about the immigrant. I'm not sure that you know God. Because God has stamped his image on the immigrant, just like he has on you. God has spoken into this, and he has said, I will require the lifeblood of anybody who takes the life of somebody else because you were created in my image. The image of God is limitless in what it tells us about how we treat our fellow man. The image of God is incredibly important. So back to what I was just talking about here. He says, if you do not oppress the sojourner. If you do not oppress the sojourner. Look at uh, Leviticus 19, verse 33. This is Levitical law. This is an, this is an expression of of who God is and what he wants from his people. 
He says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Just in case you want to know who is telling you that you should care for the sojourner or for the immigrant, for the alien, and yes, I mean illegal aliens, and yes, I mean natural, uh, naturalized citizens, people who have come into, into here and who are here legally as well. In case you're curious how we should treat them, this speaks clearly to that. So now that I've ticked off uh, all of the conservatives, now I can come back and uh, let me tick off the liberals here. If you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after God, uh, other gods to your own harm. Let's stop right there. Fatherless, it seems simple. The fatherless is the, the foster child today. It, it's, a, it's an orphan. But it's also just simply that, it, that person, rather than it, <laughs> is a child who has a mom but not a dad. And she may be a widow, but she may also be a single mom. And she may also be 19. And she may also be pregnant. And she has a child. And that child is alive. That child is alive, but he is a fatherless child. Because as soon as she calls and she says, I missed. And he says, you're going to abort it, right? You're going to get rid of it. That is a fatherless child. That, that young boy is not acting like he is a father. That child is fatherless. And so what will take place is that that young girl will be encouraged towards abortion. I watched a video from just a, a young gal just recently who said, I got pregnant, told all, the whole story, and I was hoping that she was going to be weeping by the end saying, I can't believe that I aborted my child. But by the end, she is saying, so it, it was really pretty easy. I just walked into Planned Parenthood, and you know they helped me, and I was sitting there with a bunch of other girls. They ended the life of my child. And she said, you know, it was really great. You know, I, you know, I still think about it. I still, you know, I, I wonder if, if the child would have been a, a boy or a girl or what have you. But, you know what, I got to do a lot of fun things because I ended the life of my child. You know, I got to go to Europe with my boyfriend. And uh, we had a, a real fun time. And I got to have lots of experiences, and it's, it's, it's so sad, so sad. 
that our society does not see this. See, some of you are um, anti-abortion, but you're also anti-immigrant. And some of you are pro-abortion, but you're also pro-immigrant. And I want to I show you another way. And that other way is this, is that God has endowed all of humanity with his image. And so that means that the sojourner and the aborted baby alike have dignity and worth and value in God's sight. Let me take it further. Without getting into what I morally believe, even LGBTQ people have been imprinted with the image of God. They have dignity and value simply because they're breathing simply because they were created in the image of God. And so what a lot of people feel like is they feel like, you know what, <laughs> I don't come to church to hear a political sermon. Uh, and what I would say back is I would say, I didn't start a church to just, to just be nice and tell you what you want to hear. I, 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 don't, I don't do church that way. I can't do it. I can't do it. So what, what is our role in these things? What is our role in these things? In our society and in our culture today. Last week was the anniversary, last Sunday was the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which allowed abortion to take place in our uh, society. And since that point, there have been somewhere between 54 million and 59 million people killed in the mother's womb since that took place. And I want to tell you something that I think some of us are against it, and maybe we speak about it occasionally, and we're viewed as freaks. Uh, some of us are against it, and we would never speak about it in public. Uh, some of us are uh, against it for ourselves, but you know what? I'm not going to tell someone else what they can and cannot do. And some of us are just flat out for it, and we're just like, man, that is a right. It's a choice. And I, I want to communicate something. Most people who support abortion today do not understand what is happening in that procedure. Most people do not understand how even the pro-choice movement Believes about what's taking place in those, in those moments. In fact, let me show you just a couple of things. And that is that people within the pro-choice movement believe that they are actually ending a life. Bernard Nathanson co-founded one of the most influential uh, abortion advocacy groups in the world, Narrow and once served as medical director for the largest abortion clinic in America. I'm 
quoting, I believe it's Abort 73, the, the website there. In 1974, he wrote an article for the New England Journal of Medicine in which he states, there is no longer uh, serious doubt in my mind that human life exists within the womb from the very onset of the pregnancy. A little while later, he would say this, there is simply no doubt that even the early embryo is a human being. All its genetic coding and all its features are indisputably hum human. As to being, there is no doubt that it exists, is alive, is self-directed, and is not the same being as the mother, and is therefore a unified whole. This article goes on to say this. They're not saying this because they've changed their mind. They're saying this because they say, we're acknowledging that we're taking a life. And here's what we believe. It just would be better if this young girl did not have to have a baby. It's just inconvenient. It is a monstrosity of our society. And I, I cannot tell you how important I believe that this is. Many people know that slavery at the beginning of our nation was widely accepted. All of us today would look at that and, and, and we would say, that's horrific. Many of you probably even know that the church supported slavery sometimes. There were some that held strong, but there were many, many people who supported slavery. The institutional church in both the North and the South had long before deserted, uh, deserted the slaves. Even the Methodists, who early on insisted that, that slave owners, upon their conversion, free their slaves. But by 1804, <coughs> the General Conference agreed to let Methodist societies in the Carolinas, Georgia, and Tennessee allow their members to buy and sell slaves. An article by Mark uh, galley from Christianity Today. They caved. They allowed them to keep their slaves. On and on it went. It wasn't just the Methodists, but it's the Baptist, and it's all kinds of people. One slave reported that his master served him communion at church in the morning and whipped him in the afternoon for returning to the plantation a few minutes late. Susan Boggs recalled the day of her baptism. The man that baptized me was, uh, had a colored woman tied up in his yard to whip when he got home. We had to sit and hear him preach, and the woman's mother was in church hearing him preach. Do you see what's going on here? Like the horror of just going, how could you dare? to serve someone communion and then go and beat them 
Like, it's horrific. But do you understand the state of our minds that during slavery, so-called Christian people were able to just set it aside and say, yeah, let's, yeah this is okay. Because there's this cloud, there's, the, there's this like confusion that's going on. Nazi Germany, how many people were moral and who thought it's wrong to kill Jews, but then somehow got mixed up in that? Well, I'm not, I'm not taking them to concentration camps. And yet did nothing. I want to tell you that abortion will be our holocaust. That abortion will be our slavery. And you will end up in history books as to whether you defended the life of a child that bears the image of God or you will be castigated in that same history book for how you stood up for life. For the sojourner and for the fatherless and for the widow and for the oppressed, for those people, you will go down in history for this. I will go down in history. Will we turn and look the other way? Or will you be somebody who stands up and says, this is immoral. This is wrong. I'm talking to people who are advocating even for liberal politics. I, I, I know many of you, you're awesome people. But for once, break with your party and advocate for the life of a human being. If Jesus is not on the top rung of your life, and, and democratic politics or liberal politics are up there. You have it backwards, and you have another God. That is idolatry. To the conservative, if kicking out all the immigrants, not allowing them in, not caring for their needs, uh, uh, bringing justice into their lives, caring about what happens in Syria and what's taking place in these various places throughout our world, or even at risk to us saying, you know what? Muslims are people who need Jesus. If you can't break with the party line and say, who cares what the Republican Party is saying? Who cares what a conservative is saying? Jesus says something else. This is the heart of God. It's the heart of God that loves people. Imagine for a second if our city knew that we are relentless advocates for the life of the immigrant, but we are relentless advocates for the life of a baby in its mother's womb. We have a lot of ground to make up. We have a lot of ground to make up. Outward church is going to be different. Outward church is going to advocate and does advocate for life on all levels. What that means is that we don't just care about the baby, we care about the woman who's carrying the baby. So what that means is that single moms and people who are pregnant and who can't afford uh, where they're living or can't afford to, to survive... 
they're going to be glad that they had that baby because outward church is displaying the glory of God when we say, I don't give, I keep saying this, a rat's rear end, I don't know why. It's the only sermon that I've ever said that three times, okay? It'll be, it'll, it'll, my staff will harass me all this week. I don't care about what's in here. It's not that hard for me. There's not very much right now. But for you, <laughs> there's a lot of receipts. I've spent a lot. But for you and for all of us, I don't care about what's going on in here. I don't care what this represents. What I care about is that I want to give my life for Jesus Christ because he gave his life for me. I'm going to pour myself out the way that Jesus literally poured out his own blood by intentionally going to the cross. And so that means that for fear of being criticized and mocked at my work, we can winsomely say, yes, I am for the life of every baby from the moment of conception. Because it is a life. Pro-choice advocates have already given that. I refuse to allow children to be killed on my watch. You can say it boldly. But you can also say this. I am going to advocate for these immigrants in some way. I don't know much about the policy. Frankly, I wasn't able to start reading on everything that took place just, I think it was uh, Friday. And so I, I don't know all the details of it. We can advocate for good policy. We can advocate for good policy. There is a place to be said, you know, the government is here to keep us safe. So how should we, but how can we also be merciful in the midst of that? I'm not saying that I agree with anything that has happened in that, in that regard. What I am saying is this, is that we can do both. We can say government should keep us safe and we should be incredibly compassionate and serve these people in some way. Lastly, I want to return where I started. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're saying, oh, I'm one of those. I told my girl to go get a, an abortion because I didn't want to deal with it. Nobody knows about it, maybe. I encouraged somebody to do it because I just didn't, I didn't want to deal with the consequences of my actions. I didn't want to be a man. I didn't want to take that role. So I left this child fatherless and he died. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You think you're sinful? God's grace abounds beyond your sin. You can't outrun God's grace with your sin. You are forgiven. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To our ladies that are here, 
you're grieving big time. You're holding tears back. Nobody knows. Or just a few people know. And you say to yourself, what if my friends knew, if they knew, my non-believing friends knew, they'd call me a hypocrite. If my believing friends knew, I don't know that they would accept me. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Jesus says to you that you may feel like the worst sinner, but you could never outrun his grace. You could never outpace him. The Son of God went to the cross and he bled out for you so that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is absolutely no condemnation. And so you sit here today, young lady, you sit here today, a woman in middle age or wherever you are, you sit here today forgiven because Jesus Christ went to the cross and he paid for that sin. He paid for that sin. God looks at time concurrently. He stands over it. He sees the beginning of time and the end of time as we know it in his mind. When he went to the cross, he wasn't just paying for sin right here, but he looked at you and he saw you and he saw you in that abortion clinic and he knew that it was going to take place and he said, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to the grave and I'm going to be resurrected for that sin. I'm going to the cross for that woman. You will never pay for that sin. I'm doing it on the cross right now. And what does that do? What's it do for you? You get to be an advocate for life. You get to be an advocate for life because you have experienced the grace of God in a way that some of us may not have. And you get to sit and counsel the young woman, and you get to say to her, it is the greatest regret of my life that I took the life of my child. And I just want you to know, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You get to sit there and be with them. Don't just sit and hide in your sin. Walk in newness of life, knowing that Jesus went to the cross for you. Claim that over and over again. Let your friends in your community group yell that to you and just, and just say, Jesus went to the cross for you. There's nothing that you could do to get yourself away from God. There's nothing that you've done. There's no condemnation. Please let us love you. Please let us show you the grace of Jesus if that's where you're at today. How do we move forward? Outward church has people who are gifted in areas I don't even know about. How are we going to take care of the single mom and advocate for her? It's more than just filling up a baby bottle, which, by the way, that is one way that you can serve by giving money um, through that. There are baby bottles out at uh, Connect Central. You can fill it up with change and bring it back in February 
uh, I think it's 17th, but I can't remember. You can give towards that, but you could also go serve at Hope Pregnancy Center. You could also go and talk to the woman who's nearby you. You could also, I mean, there's so many different ways that you do that. You could also advocate for immigrants. We need to not be sitting on our can. I mean, they're just limitless ideas as to how we could begin serving in our community these people. And I beg you, if you are a Christian, that you would give your life for other people. Give up your comfort and honor life because that's what Jesus has given you by going to the cross. That's what God gave you through creation. We have a responsibility. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really broken for the women in our church who uh, have been mistreated by the father of their child. Lord, I'm broken uh, for the choices that they may have made. But Lord, I'm... I'm I'm beyond hopeful because I know that your gospel is secure and it is sure and you give us great and immense grace that could never run out. It is limitless. So we thank you so much for that, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for those right now that may be offended, that, Lord, that they would see uh, my heart in this. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that I've said that was unnecessarily offensive this morning, that, Lord, that... uh, Lord, I just want to, I want to confess that. I want to say that um, I, I only want your words to be heard this morning. Lord, I pray that the heart, that your heart will be heard through your scriptures. It's, it's so important. Lord, may we be after justice for the immigrant and for the fatherless and for the widow. Lord, may we not shed innocent blood Lord, may we not have other gods before you. Lord Jesus, what what are you going to do in our city? Lord Jesus, what what are you going to do here with people whose lives have been changed? Lord God, by the power of your spirit, you can motivate us. And you can break every chain. And God, you can cause us to overcome. And you have caused us to overcome. God, you are powerful and sovereign over all things. God, you are good beyond measure. God, your steadfast love, it endures forever. just don't know that we live that way. God, but what would you do? What would you do if we responded in kind? God, what would you do? What wouldn't you do? 
what God, we're, we're asking that it starts with us. God, that we would break the chains of politics and the anger and the, the hatefulness that's happening in social media and all over the world. That God, that we would be people who are fighting for life because that's what you care about. Lord, we're fighting for life for people that don't believe in you. Expecting nothing in return. But Lord, we're just doing that because you're God. May this be true of us.